Hey guys, this is Dr. LeHue uh, again with you. I'm glad you uh, clicked on this video. And today we're going to be talking about uh, um, making our way around the Enneagram. Um, some, a concept that I picked up on from, from some video I watched. I don't remember, it was pretty old and pretty dated, so I thought it might be good to just uh, go through this information again. I don't know if there's anything to this, but I find the concept interesting. The idea is that when you go around that circle, you know, the Enneagram, and you uh, start with uh, the nine and use that as your base number as the beginning point, you can go around the dial looking at all the numbers and seeing kind of like the the energy of each type. And uh, I don't have any idea if this was how, you know, that was, uh, if the origin of the Enneagram, I kind of imagine that this is probably how it got started is a bunch of guys sitting around and robes around a marble table talking about people trying to observe people and understand people sort of started to put things together and they came up with this kind of of approach and let's just go around the the dial and look at each type and talk about sort of the energy of each type the first one the nine let's start there the nine is kind of like the um what you might say the uh, the infant energy and i don't mean that in a, in a condescending way it could also maybe be understood as kind of being the uh, the old man or the old lady, the uh, the energy of the infant or the energy of the senior citizen. You know, the uh, the idea is this this energy of the old of the of the nine is is just wants to be at peace, just wants to be at peace and just wants to get along with others, and um, is at peace. In its natural state, in his natural state, the nine is at peace and uh, is not worried, is not upset, and is like that sleeping baby. Okay, so the sloth, you know, or the sleeping grandpa in the chair. Okay, um, and then you move to the number one. You come down that dial, you know, to that first energy, and it's the energy of the father or of the dad. Not meaning that the ones are all males, because they're certainly not. But it's that energy of the dad who says, you know, get your schoolwork done first, and then you can play outside. Eat your vegetables first, and then you can have dessert. Get your room cleaned up, and then you can play video games. It's that kind of uh, uh, get your priorities right. You know, it's that voice of the father, or the voice of what you kind of imagine the father to be. You know, that do your responsibilities first, and then there's room for play. And there's nothing that frustrates ones more than when people are you know doing foolishness when they need to be getting their 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 work done you know ones think in terms of what projects need to get done what work needs to get done you can't rest until you get your work done so that one energy is the energy of the the father saying get your stuff done then you can then you can relax the the second energy the two i mean second in you know it's the third one we've talked about but this the the second energy of the two the helper is that energy of the mom or the caregiver, the nurturer. Um, it's that it's that uh, energy of, come here, honey, I'll take care of you. Uh, what do you need? Let me get that for you. And it's that nurturing, warm, gentle energy of, of the, uh, the mother figure or the caregiver, the nurturer, who comes alongside of the more harsh, more stern um, one. So again, I, I don't know that this is how the origin of the Enneagram came about, but I kind of have my just, and it's a fantasy in my head that it makes sense that these guys were sitting around a table and they were like, 
they were like, you know, first person in the family is the father, the second is the mother, and then the third, and they just kind of went around this and, and sort of like observed, you know, in the ancient world, they observed the people around them. So the third energy is kind of the energy of the oldest child or the firstborn child. Not every firstborn child is going to be an achiever and certainly not going to be a three, but it's kind of that energy of the child that says, hey, look at me. I'm riding a bicycle. Everybody should stop and they should notice what I'm doing. What I'm doing is important. Look at me, watch me. It's that energy of the child up on the diving board, you know, looking down, nervous and scared, but then calling out for mom and dad, look at me, look at me, look at what I'm doing, pay attention to me. Threes are assertive, so they're asserting, you know, others' attention at themselves. And so they're achieving at school and they're bringing home the, you know, the certificate that says they're on the honor roll. They're bringing home the certificate that says that they have accomplished something. And they're saying, look at me, look at what I did, look at what I accomplished. So it's that energy of the oldest child, the achiever. Four is the energy of that other child. You might say the second child or sometimes thought of as like the middle child. It's that energy of that person, the individualist who says, well, I can't do what big brother can do. Well, I can't do what older sister can do. Well, where do I fit in them? What am I good at? If, if I can't get the award, if every time I get in line, you know, my older brother jumps in front of me and accomplishes it better than I can, then where, where do I fit in? If I'm not, you know, the smartest one in the class and I'm not the most athletic and if I'm not the most, well, then where do I fit? And it's kind of that distressed energy of that, of that other child who says, oh, I've got to find my niche. I've got to find my place where I belong. I got to find that place where I can find value. And so maybe they move toward the arts or maybe they move toward the creative or poetry or writing or, you know, any of those other areas that say, well, I don't really care about, you know, those awards and all that stuff. And fours kind of have that tendency to sort of, you know, live above the rules and to kind of, um, you know, sort of look down their nose on others and be like, well, you know, oh, those, those vulgarians over there so enamored with all those pride. I want my life to be important and valuable. I want my life to count. And that's, that's one of the things we admire about fours is, you know, they may not be enamored by the same, you know, reward systems that everybody else is. They want, they want to believe that their life has value and, and is of importance that it's weighty, that it that it has some kind of, you know, intrinsic uh, importance to it. So that four is kind of that energy of that other child that says, well, look at my big brother. I mean, they're, they're a shining star. They're, you know, the, the athlete with all the awards and trophies. Well, I don't have any trophies. So, um, you know, I think I'll go, you know, do, do this other thing. And fours are kind of like doing their own thing. All right. And they want the same love and appreciation as everybody else. It's just they may feel like those other forms are out of their grasp or out of reach for them or they're not of interest to them. Okay, so you notice this break when you look at the Enneagram symbol, uh, you this break between the four and the five. And, um, and I've read lots of different reasons why that break is there. But in this kind of scenario, in thinking through this kind of scenario, think of the break as being a break between the nuclear family, which we've addressed, you know, the infant baby, the nine, the, the one, the dad, the mom, the two, the oldest child, the three, the uh, other child, the four. And now I think there's a break right here where we're breaking away from the um, nuclear family and now we're going to start moving toward the peer group. Okay, so we're moving toward the peer group. So the child is growing up. 
and now they're in middle school or seventh grade, you know, eighth grade, something like that. And they start to make that break away from mom and dad and brother and sister is the is the center of my life to now what are my friends up to? What what is the world like out there? And so fives are kind of that first energy away from the nuclear family, detaching emotionally and detaching, withdrawing uh, away from the family and not yet a part of the peer group, not yet willing to say, I want to be out there and I want to be a part of the peer group, but, but, but saying, what is the peer group doing? You know, and so they're in the safety of their room, you know, looking behind that two-way mirror, looking behind that glass, peeking over into the world around them saying, you know, what's going on out there? What, what is the world about and what is the world up to? And so they're looking, observing, taking all the information in, but if you ask them, do you want to be up on the stage? No, 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 no. No, I don't want to be up on the stage. Do you want to be a part of the group? No, 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 no. They, they want to be in a withdrawn state. They want to be, you know, detached from everybody, but they're interested and they're curious and they're, they're, they're investigating, okay? So it's kind of that first move away from the nuclear family and into the, the larger peer group. Now, sixes, the loyal skeptic, they are the peer group, okay? Somebody said, and I don't know, somewhere I read that the sixes move as a six pack. Okay, they come in groups, they move in groups. They, they're very concerned with what is everybody doing? What is everybody like? Well, that's what I like. What is everybody wearing? Well, that's what I wear. They're very concerned about the labels and the trends and all that because they wanna fit in. They wanna be a part of the group. They have that anxiety about life and one of the ways you can deal with anxiety is to put yourself in with the herd and then if the herd's okay, you're okay. So sixes are kind of like that, that energy of the peer group. They're gonna travel in a pack and they're very conscious of what everybody's doing and how everybody's relating to them, how everybody's treating them, whether everybody is trustworthy or not. And so the six is the move into the peer group, away from the detached position of the five and now one of the gang, one of the buddies. In fact, that's even the name of the six wing seven is the buddy, okay? Um, so the, the six is, is going to be very concerned that they fit in, that they're identified and included and they feel safe when they're included. So they're going to root for the home team. You know, they're going to cheer for the right political candidate that's going to keep them safe. And they're very concerned with being safe and finding safety in numbers. Okay. So they're the peer group. Now the seven, the enthusiast, what do they do? Well, they kind of look at the peer group and they say, ah, that's lame, I don't want to be a part of the group. The group's boring, the group, everybody's doing the same thing, everybody's just fitting in. And so kind of like a four who wants to stand out and be different, the seven, it's not so much that they want their identity to stand out and be different, but they just kind of look at what everybody's doing and say, isn't there a better way to do this? Isn't there a more fun way? Isn't there a more exciting way? Isn't there a more engaging way? And so you know, their fear of missing out, the enthusiast, um, sort of departs away from the group, departs away from the norm and says, I'm going to do my own thing. This looks more fun over here. Well, don't you know everybody's going to, um, you know, the movies? I don't want to go to the movies. The movies look lame. And in seven is an assertive type. So they'll do what they want to do. They'll invite you, but if they don't, if you don't want to go, maybe they don't care. They're going to do what they want to do, and, and what they want to do changes with every moment. And so the seven looks at the peer group and says, yeah, it's fun to be a part of the group, but eh, I'm going to do something more fun. I'm going to use my time in a better way. I'm going to keep my options open, and if the group gets boring or what the group is doing is boring, then I'll jet out of this and I'll go do whatever, you know, 
my backup plan. Sevens often have a backup plan or an escape hatch, an escape route, you know, to get away from whatever might be tedious or whatever might be boring. Um, they want to escape that, and so they kind of do their own thing. So the sevens will, you know, will will put on a, a goofy outfit, okay? Like let's say you go to Goodwill, and they'll find, oh, look here's a, you know, a blue blazer, um, you know, a ruffle velvet coat, you know. They'll put that on, and, and they'll come out of the dressing room and, and be laughing and say, wait till my friends get a load of this. Wait till they see me in this. Because they're all about raising the energy and all about making people feel comfortable and having a good time. Where the four, the individualist, might find something like that, put it on, look in the mirror, and then say, you know, this is who I am now. This is the way I'm going to look now. I'm going to stand apart and be different now. And the four, I think, is more like trying to understand and express their identity where the seven is like, this is going to get a laugh. You know, this is going to, this is going to raise the energy. This is going to be, uh, this is going to be funny. It's going to make me stand out and be different because I don't necessarily, because they don't necessarily want to be a part of the group. They don't find the safety in necessarily being a part of the group. And then the eight. Okay. So the eight energy, uh, further departs from the peer group. And it's kind of the first adult energy that says, okay, I'm married now. I've got a child of my own and I've got my own house and I'm putting a fence around my house and I'm not inviting you in. These are my people here. And so like an adult, they're protective of their time, their calendar, their people, the insiders. And then everybody else out there is kind of like a nameless, faceless robot. You all are strangers on the street. And it's fine that you walk past my yard. I'm not going to yell at you and I'm not going to holler at you unless you cross my gate and get in my yard. When you start stepping on my yard and you start letting your garbage blow into my yard, then eights will wake up and they will say, hey, you stay on your side of the fence. I'll stay on my side of the fence. And so not like the dad, you know, who's going to step into your room and tell you what you need to do and try to control you and try to, you know, that one energy of trying to mandate what you ought to do. The eights are more like, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do and I don't want you telling me what to do. And so I always think of the eights as kind of having that posture of like holding the baby in one arm because they have a big heart. They have that soft, compassionate you know, giant heart, but it's behind that, that fence. It's behind that layer of protection. And so they're kind of holding on to that baby like a protective father or a protective mother. And then they've got kind of that switchblade in the other hand, you know, and they're like protective. And they're watching out, scanning the, the area to make sure that nobody can get in to harm them or harm the people that they love. So they're kind of like that first adult energy that says, this house is mine, this yard is mine, these people are mine, you guys are not, so you stay on the side of the fence. And if I, over time, feel like I can trust you, then maybe I'll let the moat down and let you in. But otherwise, you need to stay on the outside. And then you go back up to that nine energy again. Um, you know, the grandpa energy that's kind of asleep in the chair and at peace with the world. And so really, I think this is a helpful way of like introducing the Enneagram to people because it, it, it immediately gives you like a way to remember each number and how they relate um, you know, to kind of the patterns that are associated with those numbers. So I think that this, you know, has helped me and my understanding. Uh, it's helped me explain when I sit down with people and, I, and they have no concept of the Enneagram. It helps me to sort of explain, okay, here's kind of, here's kind of a, a way of remembering what each number is about. 
And that alone, often, when you sit down with somebody and go through the Enneagram this way with people, they'll immediately, often, they'll immediately identify themselves. You know, they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm a one. I, that's me. I, I have that kind of, you know, dad voice, that kind of, you know. And so this is a good way to help people sort of like understand, you know, uh, in a simple, simple way uh, what the Enneagram is all about. And at least maybe to help take another step and if they haven't identified their 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 number yet it's a helpful step in maybe beginning to identify their number and then you know seeing maybe other people and you know helping to identify other people in their life uh, where they're at on the Enneagram as well so I hope you like this video I hope it was encouraging to you I hope it was helpful to you always as always like comment and subscribe and um, you know if you want to get a hold of me in some way uh, the information to do that is uh, is in the description and I wish you guys a blessed day and I want you to be present to life don't miss what's going on around you because you're so focused on what isn't or so focused on what could be or so focused on what might be that you miss what's right in front of you man wake up to today wake up to the reality of today and um, you know be compassionate with others be compassionate with yourself and uh, like always I wish you a great day